Hey, Valley family, welcome to uh, week number one of an exciting series we're kicking off called How to Live Through a Bad Day. Real excited about this. This is going to take us right to literally Easter Sunday, through Good Friday to Easter Sunday. You'll be hearing a little bit more about that in in just a second. But before we jump into this new series, I want to just make mention of something pretty significant that happened Actually, last weekend, we've been a part for about eight years or so uh, of an organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches, planning churches all over the United States, now even internationally. Something really significant happened last week. You're a part of it. I want to just point out, last week, last weekend marked ARC's 900th church plant has now planted 900 churches in just 20 years' time. And uh, you're giving on a regular basis. We give as a church to ARC, the Association of Related Churches. So you, Valley Family, have a big part to play in those 900 churches. Well, maybe it was only 700 or so since we actually joined ARC. Uh, but just, just absolutely amazing what's happening there and impacting people's lives all over our country uh, in our annual report that we give out, and that's coming at the end of this month, March. Uh, We'll give more details about how many. I think the average church opening day was 270 or something like that. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the United States receiving Christ in those 900 churches when they're planted through ARC. And so I just wanted to thank you for your generosity, not only locally here, but also nationally as well through the Association of Related Churches, ARC. And so we are starting this new series, and I want to invite you to go ahead, open up your Valley app, because this is going to be a real, real practical series. I think you're going to want to save these notes, follow along so you can look back in them. Uh, And a big shout out to all of those joining us at our Poughkeepsie campus. And uh, we we love you guys. One church, uh, could I put it this way? that meets in many, many rooms. This is just one room. Uh, Also meet at Regal Cinemas as well. Last week, we had over 600 devices log on, 600 just devices log on to uh, our our services and and almost 500 just at nine o'clock. Just absolutely mind-blowing. So that's why we say we meet in different rooms. We're here in Hopewell. Valley Family at Regal Cinemas, soon to be, you know, when we get all that construction renovation done, Sheaf Road in Poughkeepsie, and in so many living rooms, I guess probably on the beach, uh, you know, down at Disney, all over the place, all over the country, literally through our online campus. So welcome, everyone. We're one big, happy Valley Family, no doubt about that. So uh, just kind of setting up this series where we're headed. Again, seven parts to this series, including our Good Friday service. Pastor Stephen's going to be preaching that. We'll be sharing communion together, and he'll be talking about the seventh message. It'll be in this series. Uh, And really, it's all based on the seven statements that Jesus made, his last words that are recorded for us on the cross. Incredibly powerful words that are real practical as well for you and me every day of our life. And and, and I want to start out by looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It's pretty cool. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. That's what Jesus is doing in your life. That's what he's doing in my life, perfecting our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus? You know what it was? It wasn't a what, it was a who. The joy was you. 
That was the joy that was set before Jesus. He saw you. That's why he took your place on the cross. That's why he took your punishment, my punishment, as a substitute for each and every one of us on the cross to pay in full the price for my personal sin and your personal sin as well. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where is Jesus today? He is sitting at the right hand of God, our heavenly Father, right there. And it's pretty cool, later on in Hebrews it says that, uh, in another place in Hebrews it says he's an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. You know what that means? He's our attorney saying, you know what? Father, Greg's no longer guilty. I paid for his sins. He received me as his Savior and Lord. He's not guilty. And our Heavenly Father goes, you're absolutely right, Jesus. I love you, boy. And, and, and I love Greg too. And the same for you as well. And so he's sitting down at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. And, you know, we think about all that Jesus went through. Uh, it, it wasn't just, you know, for us, but it was also as an example to us as well. And so I love Hebrews chapter 12 and the message paraphrase. It's not even a translation, really, of the Bible. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. But look at what it says, Hebrews chapter 12. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And I love this had it highlighted, study how he did it. And that's what these next seven messages are, these six Sundays and then on Good Friday. We're gonna study how Jesus did it and how we can do it. We can live the life that God wants us, live life to the full that God wants you and I to live. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That's exhilar uh, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could he could put up with anything along the way. And you know what? As a follower of Christ, the reality is you and I can put up with anything, just like Jesus did. So many times I hear Christians throw up their hands, I can't take it anymore. Well, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can. You, you can walk through whatever that difficulty is, whatever that crisis is, whatever that storm is. You can walk through it with grace because of Jesus. We, we can... Study how he did it, and, and we can put up with it too. Look what he went through, the cross, the shame, whatever, and now he's there in that place of honor right alongside of God. That's where Jesus is right now. And, and so, you know, someone recently even asked me, like, you know, could you talk sometime about, like, the, 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 the actually timeline that Jesus, went, what he went through that last week, and, and this is what we're gonna be making available to you all, and, and your campus pastor will give you details of that. Let's put this up. This is actually a chronology right here, and I know you can't make this out, but, but this is a chronology of the last week of Jesus according to the scriptures, and, and actually the Bible verses that coincide with what he went through, what was happening on Sunday, Palm Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on Friday when they had the mock trial. Did you know it was illegal in Roman law and Jewish law to have a trial at night? And yet that is when they put Jesus on trial, breaking the law actually in the trial because of the timing, the trial that they had. And then on Friday, he was crucified. And then Saturday, not much. You see not much happening here uh, in terms of the biblical record uh, there on Saturday. whole lot on Friday, Thursday and Friday. 
And then on Sunday, of course, resurrection. And so we're going to make that available to you, and your campus pastor uh, will tell you, you know, how to look for that, because I think many of us like to just read through the chronology of what actually happened there, uh, the timeline of Holy Week. But think about all that he went through, the mock trial, people lying on him that paid, uh, supposedly paid eyewitnesses that, uh, that were paid to lie about him, the beating that he took, the crown of thorns mashed on his head, nailed to a cross. Everybody forsakes him except for one of his disciples, John and, and his mom. And then the first thing that Jesus says after going through all that betrayal, all that brutality, all that anguish, physical, emotional, spiritual, the very first thing that he says in Luke chapter 23, we have it on the cross, from the cross, as that cross falls into place. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. How's that possible? Well, he's an example. We want to study it so we can follow Christ as a Christ follower. If he can forgive all that that he went through, you know what? You and I can forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was inside of him, inside of us. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. It was the first thing that he said. And, and can I put it this way? I think it's the first thing that we need to say too when we're in the middle of a bad day. And man, if there was ever a bad day, Jesus went through a bad day, bad 24 hours there. And that's why we're calling this series How to Live Through a Bad Day. How we can actually live through a bad day. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. First thing, and I think that's what we need to do too when we're in the middle of a bad day. So, so here's the first lesson. Are you ready for today? The lesson one, next week's lesson two. Here's the lesson. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. You and I need to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our lives. You know, it seems like some people, it just seems like their whole mission in life is just to ruin our lives, just to make us miserable. Uh, maybe it's a coworker. <laughs> maybe it's a, someone who used to be a buddy. Uh, maybe it's an ex. Uh, you know, whoever that is, just seems like they just, they take real joy out of making our life miserable. And, and what's the first lesson we need to learn? Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Because boy, the, there were some folks trying to ruin Jesus' life. And he says, Father, forgive them. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, Jesus put it this way. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. There, there is no way that you and I can walk through this life without, it says, many being offended. There's going to be plenty of opportunities. People are going to use you, mistreat you, you know, for own personal agenda. And listen, pastors are not immune to this. In fact, I think maybe pastors get even more of it. But, but, but we've all experienced this, and Jesus said, that's the way it's going to be. So we need to learn how to forgive. We have to learn how to forgive like Jesus did. In Luke chapter 17, uh, it actually says this, Then he said to his disciples, It's impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible for you and I to live through this life without people doing things to us that are going to hurt us, break our hearts, cause us uh, you know, emotional pain, sometimes even physical pain. 
Sometimes it's relational, pain. And so it's going to come. It's going to happen. I've heard it put this way before. Maybe you have as well. What's the, what's the alternative to forgiving is unforgiveness. But unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. When we choose unforgiveness, we, we, we continue to hold bitterness and resentment, uh, unforgiveness in our lives. See, because I know we don't, we don't call it unforgiveness, just a little resentment, you know, that, that kind of thing. It, it's unforgiveness. You know, same, same trailer, different part. When we hold unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment in our lives, it's just allowing that person to continue to hurt us. And for some of us, what happened happened years ago, decades ago, many decades ago. And we still allow that person to have power in our life because we're holding unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, or or whatever it is that, that you call it. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, talking about unforgiveness, look at what it says. An offended brother, again, brother, it's talking about a Christian. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. I know a lot of Christians, this would be, if, 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 if anyone was really honest with them, how would you describe so-and-so? They'd say, oh, he's unyielding, and, and it's like barred gates. It's like you can only get so close, and all of a sudden and they don't trust anybody because of something that happened, something someone did to them way back when, and, and they keep everybody at arm's distance because of that. They're unyielding. They're a fortified city, barred gates. It's like their life has just bars around it. You can only get so close, and then I'm out. And so I think it's important, you know, for us, before we even, like, talk about practically how to forgive, I think we need to be reminded of what Jesus actually went through moments before he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So so real quick, five things that happened literally in a 12-hour period to Jesus, and he forgave them all. These are, you can put these in your notes. It's just an incredible reminder. First of all, he was betrayed. He was betrayed by someone really, really close to him. Judas. I've heard it put this way before. Betrayal is graduate level Christianity when we can forgive someone who's betrayed us. I don't know, but I've had, I've had people betray me before. Absolutely. No question about it. Stab me straight in the back and, and know that I'm not going to say anything bad about them to anyone else and use that against me. I've, I've had that happen. Maybe you have too. Betrayal, that's hard. That's hard to forgive. False accusations. <laughs> you ever been lied on? Jesus was lied on. Like I said, they actually paid false witnesses to appear in this mock trial. False accusations leveled against him. Rejection. He was rejected by, by those, again, John is the only one. John and his mom, they're the only ones that are there. Everyone else flees in fear. Total rejection. Abuse. You, you, you look at, you know, you watch like Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, that, that movie or something. Absolute abuse that he took. Physical abuse, emotional abuse as well. And then, then finally, humiliation. 
humiliation. You know, you see a picture, artist draws or something like that of Jesus on the cross. They all have it wrong. Here's the reason why. Part of Roman crucifixion was the person was crucified completely naked, not with a little, you know, loincloth on. That was part of the humiliation of crucifixion that the person was stripped naked and nailed to the cross. Jesus hung there completely naked without a stitch of clothing on except the crown of thorns. That's all he had. Total humiliation. Jesus went through betrayal, false accusations, rejection, abuse, humiliation, 12 hours earlier, every one of those things. And then he says, with his arms outstretched, nailed to the tree, and a nail through his feet, Father, forgive him. First thing that he says. Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. Lesson number one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. I think it's so important that we just realize what he went through for you and for me. Hebrews chapter two, again, message paraphrase says it this way. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life, everything that you will ever feel in this life. Jesus felt that. Then when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of all the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. Jesus experienced everything and a lot of things you and I will never experience in this life. Jesus did. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. That's what's so important for us to realize. Because of all that Jesus went through, he's able to help you. He's able to help me deal with all the mess, all the pain, all the hurt, all the broken promises, all the betrayal, all the abuse, all those things. Jesus can help because he's been through it all. That's powerful. He's here to help, able to help where help is needed. See, we have to make the decision to forgive. Forgiveness is not an emotion. If it was, you know, wanting the feeling to forgive, Jesus wasn't feeling God forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus made that decision. Father, forgive them. And forgiveness starts with a decision. Could I put it this way? Forgiveness takes an act of the mind before it takes an act of the emotions. Forgiveness takes that decision, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Before the emotions come to back, up, back that up. Really, really important. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Since Christ suffered while he was in the body, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ had. See, this is why we need to think the way that Jesus, this is what it actually means to be a follower of Christ. That we don't think with our, my dad used to always call it stinking thinking, but we think the way that, we don't, we don't want stinking thinking, but we think the way that Jesus thought. We see things the way that Jesus did. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's how you make it through a bad day. That's how I make it through a bad day. When we follow the same way of thinking that Jesus followed when he made it through the worst day any human being has ever gone through. That's what Jesus did. And so we need to follow the same way of thinking that Christ actually had. So 
just, just a couple things and talking about forgiveness. Let me, let me just share with you real practically some things because there's some misunderstanding sometimes about what forgiveness is and what it is not. Uh, quick little points here, quick hitters. First of all, when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness. It's not saying, oh, it's no big deal. Listen, it was a big deal. That's why Jesus had to die. It was a big deal. It's not saying, oh, that's okay, you know, NBD, no big deal. It's not saying that. Also, it's not reconciliation. That There's a huge, forgiveness, again, is a decision that you can make, that I can make, and it doesn't mean that that relationship is actually restored and reconciled because that's dependent on the other person. But, but I don't need to wait for someone in order to forgive them. I don't need them to do something, say, I'm real sorry. You don't need to do that in order to actually forgive. In fact, let me put it this way. Forgiveness is what I decide regardless of what you do. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is I decide. It's a decision I make and it has nothing to do with the person who hurt me. It has everything to do with me and my heart and my relationship with God. Forgiveness is what I decide regardless of what it is that you do or you don't do. I'm not, in other words, I'm not waiting for somebody to, to say, I'm sorry for what I did to you, Greg, for me to forgive them. I, I think sometimes I'll be waiting for, <laughs> till I take my last breath and maybe not happen then. You gotta make the decision, I forgive. Regardless of if that person ever takes responsibility, they ever own up for all that they've done, Forgiveness is what I decide regardless of what you do. Here's another truth about forgiveness. It's not about doing what's fair. It's not about doing what's fair. Because listen, you don't want fair. Look at the cross. That's what we deserve if we got fair. What Jesus went through. Every one of us, that's what we deserve. Fairness. The gospel is not fair. Thank God it's not fair. It's not impossible to do either. It's not an impossibility to forgive. We can do it. In fact, I love how C.S. Lewis put it. He, he said, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. See, that's what forgiveness is based on. It's not on what someone did to me and if they earn my forgiveness back because that's not the way God did us. That's not the way God did you. That's not the way God did me. To be a Christian is to forgive because God forgave the inexcusable in me. Because when, when you look at what Jesus went through, that's what Greg Williamson deserved because of my sins. God forgave me and he gave his best. He gave his son Jesus to lay his life down, to be my savior, to pay in full for the forgiveness of my sin and your sin, and to be my Lord, which means what? I follow him now. He has the say in my life. He purchased my life. He purchased your life. And I follow him, his directions, his instructions, even his corrections. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. This is one of the, I think, just one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. I can do all things because Christ gives me strength. That's a great, great verse to commit to memory. And, and you know what that also means? That means you can forgive. That means you can forgive. No matter how bad and painful, no matter how wretched it was, you can forgive. 
because Jesus forgave. I can do all things because Christ gives me the strength. And so that's where, what my job is. My job is to show you where that strength comes from. How, how can we tap into the strength of Jesus Christ in order to forgive? How, how can we do it? I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, I haven't always done this right, but I, I've certainly had enough pain in my own life where I had to learn how to tap into that power of forgiveness. I, I would not be here today. I never would have become a pastor if I wasn't able to forgive some folks that really, really, at a young time when I was a teenager in my life, really derailed what my dream was for my life, what my plan was for my life. And I had to forgive. And if I had not forgiven, I don't think my heart ever would have been right to even become a pastor almost 30 years ago. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so I had to, I had to forgive that coach that did me wrong. Everybody in high school knew it. He got terminated because of it. And I had to forgive. Because I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When the plan and the dream I had for my life came shattering down around me, I had to forgive. When, uh, when I've trusted people and been there for them in their time of need and then as a pastor they turn around and stab me in the back, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I had to forgive. See, see, I love this. It's just a statement. And obviously Jesus is short on breath as he's hanging from that cross, all the pain that he's gone through. But this statement, this is a power-packed, practical statement for you and me every day. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. First thing that he said, forgive so three practical things that I've found that, that really helped me personally to tap in to the power of Jesus Christ to forgive because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How do we tap into that strength? Well, the first thing is we, we need to learn how to pray for those that have hurt us. To actually pray for them. This is exactly what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it said, love your enemies and hate, I'm sorry, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. Jesus said, actually pray for the people that did you wrong, that have caused you pain and hurt. And that doesn't mean like, God, I pray you just get them, just get them and zap them with a lightning bolt. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's actually like, God, I'm asking you. As I choose, forget, God, I ask you to bless them. I, I've been talking with someone recently, just struggling with some forgiveness, and I said, just start praying for them as hard as that is. Let your ears hear your mouth say, God, bless them. I ask you to bless that person. And it's amazing how that just tenderizes your heart instead of the hardness of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. Pray for them. Second thing is this, bless them. <laughs> Actually, bless them. Look at what Jesus said. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Bless them. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's what Jesus said. When you follow me, this is what the power I'll release in your life, if you'll choose it, that you can actually bless those who curse you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it also says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. When you do, when you choose to bless and not curse, God's power shows up and lives and circumstances really do change. You know, listen, I've been pastor a long time here, and there have been people who have left badly before, and... Uh, said things, done things, and, 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 you know, on their way out the door and, and in the community. And, and some of you may still know those folks, but you never will hear me say a negative thing about them. In fact, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to pray for them because I don't want what they've done to mess my heart up. And, and, and some folks have actually, knowing that I would never actually tell the truth of what they actually did, what actually went down, have used that against me because Greg's he's going to bless me, and so I'm going to take more advantage of the situation. Where'd you get an idea like that from, Greg? Right here. That's what Jesus said to do. And, and I think that's why I'm coming up now on 30 years of pastoring, and, and I'm not hating on anybody. And, and I'm not saying my heart is perfect at all. I've learned this the hard way. But I've had opportunity even when people have called a job interview and somebody did me wrong and, and there's someone on the other line saying, listen, I'm looking to hire this person. I know that they work for you. What do you have to say? And I had the, the opportunity to just crush their dreams. Instead, I remember what Jesus said. Bless those who cursed you. And I'd been cursed. Pray for those who spitefully use you. And I'd been used up for someone's own agenda. No, I, I think you should hire them. Because I believe in change. People can change by God's grace. I think you should hire them. The power is released. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's what the word says. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And when we do that, it releases the power of God in my life, in your life, when we choose to forgive. Because you and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we, that means we can forgive. That means we can forgive. So we need to pray for them. We need to bless them. And then here's the last one. And this is, man, this is like graduate level Christianity right here. Do good to them. We've got to do good to them. That's how we forgive. Look at Romans chapter 12. What God's word says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means leave no stone unturned. You exhaust yourself to bring peace. I have to exhaust myself to bring peace. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave it up to God. Our job is to forgive. Our job is to do good. It's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's not your job. That's not my job to get a pound of flesh. God, we trust him to do that. Don't do, don't do God's work. Our work is to forgive. Goes on and says, on the contrary, if your enemy, look at this, doing good. If your enemy is hungry, your enemy. You know, so many times you're like, feed the poor, feed the poor. How about feed your enemy? That's, that's what the Bible said, feed your enemy. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. You go get a meal for him and feed him. Take care of him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and like, oh yeah, there it go. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That's not what this is talking about. Don't, don't misunderstand. That's not what this is talking about. In the Middle East, Biblical times, one of the greatest commodities was, was fire to cook, to heat, uh, and, and sometimes coals would go out, and very, very hard to get that fire started again. And so what they're literally saying is, if your enemy, if the coals have gone out in this fire, you, you do good to them, and you even bring them coals that are, that are smoldering so their fire can be relit. That's the greatest act, and it may be their own survival that's what it's talking about there. It's not talking about like hell and damnation or anything like that. That's not it. Do not be overcome by evil. Here it is. Overcome evil with good. That's what we can do through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Again, this is graduate level Christianity. Uh, you, you find people that can really forgive. You find people that pray for their enemies. You find people that bless those that curse them, pray for those that spitefully use them. You, you find people that do good to those that actually hurt them. You know what? You're, 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 you're finding someone who is really becoming more and more like Jesus every day. That, that's not just, just attending church, and, and that's not just, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian in name only. We talked about hypocrisy last week. This is like the real, this is real deal following Jesus stuff. People walking in the power of Jesus Christ because we can do all things, even this, through Christ who gives me strength. So Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, look at what it says. Freely you've received, freely give. You know what that means? That also includes forgiveness. We didn't earn God's forgiveness. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible says, for God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Forgiveness is a free gift of God. Salvation. That's why Jesus lived a sinless life. That's why he died a sacrificial and a substitutionary death for you and for me in my place, your place. That's why he rose from the dead. What we're going to be celebrating in seven weeks. 
freely you've received, freely. You didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, neither do I. Freely give forgiveness. Forgiveness. I don't know about you, but uh, I've got a couple people. I don't have as many as I used to. But, but I, I just want to be real honest. I've, I've got a couple people still on my list. A couple people every day I've got to just choose to forgive. Choose, God, I just, every time I think of him, I just choose to forgive. And maybe you do too. Maybe you, you have more than two. Maybe you just have one. Maybe, maybe your list is long. We daily have to choose to forgive. Because here's the truth. You and I will never have to forgive anyone else more than what Jesus forgave you and me. It'll never happen. You and I will never face anything greater in this life than Jesus did because of us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So here's the last statement that I want to leave you with, and there's no more truer statement than this. The forgiven forgive. That's what we do. That's, what, that's how you and I... Jesus wants you and I to live. The forgiven forgive. We forgive because we know he has forgiven you and I so much. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we can't even put into words the gratitude and the reality of our thanks to you for what you've done for us, forgiving us so much by sending your son to live a sinless life and to lay his life down as a sacrifice for each and every one of us. Lord, that he took the thorns, he took the whip, he took the brutality, he took the nails, carried my cross each of our crosses and he laid his life down as a substitute and a sacrifice for us to purchase our forgiveness and that's why he rose again three days later because we are forgiven when we receive his sacrifice and receive him as Savior and Lord so Father as the forgiven not the perfect, but as the forgiven. Lord, we ask for your grace to forgive. Right now, with, uh, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you right now, and hearing my voice, no matter where you are, Regal Cinemas or maybe in your living room, if right now God's speaking to your heart and you're like, I need to forgive, maybe it's a person, Maybe it's a parent, a boss, a coach, a buddy, an ex. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Father, you see these hands. And Lord, I just ask right now for your grace to be poured out. 
that we would choose to forgive. Not that it's an emotion, it's a decision to forgive. Father, for some of us, the lists that we have, Lord, we choose to forgive today those people that have hurt us, that have wronged us, betrayed us, assaulted us, shamed us. We choose to forgive, Lord. And we know we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Thank you for the strength of Jesus and the example that we can follow who said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And while our heads are still bowed and our eyes are still closed, I want to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord if you've never done that before. Because that's, you, you can't really adequately really forgive from your heart until Jesus, you experience God's forgiveness. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. And the power that he has that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, that's the source of the strength. It's Jesus, it's in him. And so right now I wanna lead you in a prayer if you've never done it before. And you can repeat this prayer after me, even in a whisper. And I just invite you to open your heart up and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today. Just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. I ask you to lead me, Jesus. Direct me. Guide me. By your Holy Spirit, from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.